Hello and welcome back to InfraDig, the podcast service run by IG Global. This podcast focuses on international developments in the infrastructure and energy arena. And to that end, today I have with me a rather interesting guest from the other side of the pond, an organization that's pushing the boundaries in the energy storage sector. But let me make my introductions first. Me, I'm Angus Azimelville, and I'm editorial director of IJ Global infrastructure journal and i have with me alan cooper chief executive of miami-based on energy a technology company focused on energy storage software system supply and project development alan welcome to infradig angus thanks so much for the invitation not at all great to have you here now Energy storage, in particular, is a sector that we track daily here at IJ Global. Uh, the role it plays, and it will increasingly play in stabilizing the grid and resolving intermittency issues from renewable energy, is pivotal. Clearly, this is your view as well, but let's hear it from your side. Can you please, Alan, take a moment to introduce yourself briefly, and then tell us about On Energy. What is it you do? Sure, Angus. Um, so I'm Alan Cooper. I'm co-founder and CEO of On Energy Storage. Um, On Energy was founded in uh, late 2015 to really focus on uh, pushing the boundaries of energy storage, uh, particularly on the software and project integration side. Um, we today are a team of about 85 full-time employees focused on five different countries across the Americas. We've got a, a project CV of about 55 projects in operation, about 100 megawatt hours um, currently online. Uh, things ranging from um, retail to large commercial, uh, large industrial and resiliency projects and all the way through to utility scale energy storage. So a very wide variety of project type and, and project focuses. All of those operate today using our own proprietary software, um, mm -hmm. which uh, function both on the development side to help understand how uh, these systems are economically going to output value for our customers, uh, help drive the sales process, and then eventually our own energy management system that is actually operating, controlling, and dispatching energy on site so that we create that value and deliver on the promises that we made to our customers. Um, we're okay. a little bit differentiated, I guess, Angus, in that we are an integrated service provider. And so we take things all the way from, uh, you know, early conceptualization of projects and take it all the way through uh, construction, full EPC, integration of the solution, and even into um, project development and long-term project ownership. So that's, I think, a, a key differentiator for on. Mm, okay. Um, and as you were saying there, you, you were there from the very inception, weren't you? Now, that was 2016, if memory serves. Is that correct? You've been there for the whole yeah, ride? I, I, I was one of the co-founders. I founded the business with my partner, Ricardo Azevedo, who today is our, our chief technical officer. Mm -hmm. um, we, we started um, in a couple of markets in, in Latin America, where this was really sort of white space, and we're first to market in, in a number of the markets in, in LATAM. Um, and have migrated northward now to to North America and become real players here. Okay. Now, I got, I got talking to your um, press people after reading all about your recent $20 million equity financing. And that's really what brings us to the table today. That's, that's a lot of money to have pulled in and a process. I was, uh, was that not led by Ultra Capital, if memory serves? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, 
Okay, uh, well, well done for that. $20 million, that's a signal of approval if I ever saw one. But tell me, how hard was it to reel in this financial support and how did you connect with your funders? Well, you know, clearly capital markets are, are not in the best shape, um, you know, right now or, or over the past uh, six months. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been sort of nonstop capital raising over the past couple of years. We closed Series A in August of 2022. Um, now closing our Series B with Ultra Capital, you know, in spite of everything that's going on in in global equity markets, in uh, private capital rate markets, and in interest rates, um, you know, frankly, I think we're in a bright spot from a technology standpoint and from a sector standpoint in in the energy transition. Um, energy storage, in, uh, specifically, is an asset class that is growing not only because it's uh, a technology where uh, it's increasingly in the money, but also it's increasingly necessary for electric grids. And so mandates and regulation has really been a, a strong tailwind. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, capital raising is always difficult and, and this has been no difficult, but it, it frankly has been um, a joy working with with ultra capital. We, you know, from like first meeting to closing capital raise, it was no more than five or six months. So it was, it was actually a pretty uh, short process. Well, it's nice to hear a positive story on that front these days because um, everyone I'm talking to is struggling with fundraising at the moment. But if you've got the right product for the right moment, you can see how it's going to work. So here we are. You're swimming in dollar. What are you going to do with it all? Now, from conversations prior to this podcast, I, I, I gather your focus initially was on behind the meter developments, but now you're focusing on front of the meter in Texas. Can you tell us about this? Um, basically, how are you going to deploy that $20 million that's burning a hole in your pocket? And please keep the jargon to a minimum. I like these podcasts to be accessible for people at all levels of understanding. So how are you using the money? Sure thing, Angus. I mean, and and, and I will caveat that uh, that $20 million in the in the front of the meter battery storage business is, is unfortunately not a, not a world of money. So, the, <laughs> you know, we... Um, are deploying a significant part of the proceeds into a portfolio set um, that we're building out in ERCOT. We're building five energy storage facilities uh, in the Houston-Dallas corridor, which is an area that's suffering tremendously from grid instability and volatility in energy pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, these projects are going to be operated on a merchant basis. Um, using energy trading and real-time arbitrage as a primary source of revenue, which basically means we're chasing volatility and, and focusing on areas that have volatility on a consistent basis um, and essentially playing like an energy arbitrage game, charging when it's you know cheap and clean and discharging when it's expensive and dirty. Um, these moments can often be as short as maybe 15-minute intervals, but a very lucrative and m- perhaps most importantly, very... Um, very necessary for the grid to function appropriately. So particularly right now, um, in the past couple of weeks, we've suffered a horrendous heat wave um, all across the United States. So it seems like all across the globe, but but particularly in Texas, they were um, 110 degrees Fahrenheit uh, for multiple days in a row, HVAC loads um, significantly above where they were. I think there was you know a, a, a maximum peak reached uh, historic for the entire Texas grid, which was I think 82 gigawatts. So, um, you know, it was important climatological push in energy demand, and that is exactly the type of, of, of situation that our battery storage systems are going to come in and, and try to support and help. 
um, and and make some money on, right? So I think that yeah, uh, yeah. that that's a key use of funds, also to build out, um, continue building out our our US team, which is you know now you know twenty strong, and and continuing to to develop our software technology so that it operates on the top tier across the states and and beyond. Yeah, well, I'm recording this from Scotland at the moment, so we feel your pain as well. I think we had temperatures hit the hit about 18 degrees the other day centigrade, and uh, that's uh, that's enough to turn my lily-livered skin um, red. Wow. <laughs> okay, so that's broadly what you're using the cash for. Um, can you please drill down into the individual projects that On Energy is focusing on across ERCOT? Uh, for those of you who don't know ERCOT, it's the um, the Electricity Reliability Council of Texas, and it operates the Texan grid. Um, where are these projects, and can you give us an idea of the scope of these developments and what stages they're at? Yeah, so we have um, we have a, a portfolio of five projects, uh, three of which uh, we've acquired, uh, two of which we've developed. Uh, Greenfield, we are constructing these. Uh, beginning in early Q3. So I believe that um, we kick off construction in uh, July, late July, if I'm not mistaken. Um, These projects are uh, at a very late stage of development or ready to build, depending on your definition. Um, These are really focused on 9.9 megawatt, uh, what they refer to as distributed generation in uh, the ERCOT power market. Uh, which have expedited interconnection permits and allow us to take projects to construction more quickly and and, uh, come online to take advantage of um, ancillary services markets and ancillary services revenue, which is forecasted to be and remain high for the next couple of years. Um, We primarily are focused geographically, again, on on areas uh, between Houston and Dallas, uh, these are important, Angus, because if you look at ERCOT, it's is somewhat of a power island, right? It's it's segmented from its neighboring power markets, um, yeah. which might be different from um, for for some of us who understand more national grid operated mm-hmm. systems to understand. But in the U.S., there's uh, many different power markets that often aren't interconnected, and so. Uh, Transferring energy from one to the other, from ERCOT to MISO, uh, which is the neighboring power market, is 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 impossible, frankly. And then you also have to the south, you have Mexico and the Gulf of Mexico. And so you have this essentially power island for densely populated areas in Houston and Dallas. Um, the generation in Texas largely comes from West Texas, which is now increasingly coming from wind and solar. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Texas is number one for wind in all of the United States and quickly will become um, a number one for solar as well. And so all of that generation needs to travel across transmission and into these major population centers all the way across the state, um, which is unable to import from anywhere else. And that's causing all sorts of volatility in moments of uh, either low wind production or um, low solar production or high demand. And so th- these are exactly what these batteries are there for. They're there for mm-hmm. ancillary services and grid balancing and a energy ARB so that we can um, support the grid when, frankly, when it needs us most, right? We're, we're, we're there. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so the, at the moment, the, the Biden-Harris administration and its famed Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, a um, bit of an unfortunate name, the sign of the pond, but that aside, the IRA, can, can you tell us how much of an impact this has had on your company's decision to move to front of meter storage? Yeah, it's been, it's been important, right? I mean, we, we were in the United States uh, probably for a full year before the IRA um, came out. So I, I wouldn't say that that was a key focus to to um, really build out our U.S. business from a commercialization standpoint. But certainly, you know, we had initially focused more on, a, on the behind the meter sales um, where resiliency and solar plus storage and, and uh, the sustainability aspect of this was sort of the primary value drivers, trying to also shed demand charges and others. Um, you know, this is uh, this is a matter of economics, uh, frankly, Angus. So, and with, with the Inflation Reduction Act that now allows, you know, anywhere from 30 to about 60 percent uh, investment tax credit uh, from the federal government, it's really put a lot of these markets that were previously close but no cigar, and it's put them yeah. in the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, ERCOT is is one of them that was already there, but but certainly has gotten a significant bump. But now, mm-hmm. you know, there's almost no market in the in in the U.S. where with this regulation um, that storage doesn't pencil, and so that makes it clearly attractive to start focusing on uh, larger opportunity sets. Uh, the technology is also now with the IRA become increasingly bankable. The rates of return are. Mm-hmm. Are higher, and so it's an asset class that's attractive relative to other replacements, like uh, or, or uh, at least from a financing, from a financial community's perspective, re- replacements such as solar and wind. Um, and so we're we're providing above market returns right now, and mm-hmm. I think that's what what's certainly attracting interest into the energy storage space, into developers, into integration companies, into all companies that are uh, similar to on. And certainly has attracted us into focusing on larger projects, getting financing for those and, and getting those uh, built, which is really our um, our focus and our specialty built and operational. So that's, that's yeah. um, key focus. That, that makes sense. Some people have criticized the IRA for lack of clarity when it comes to the ITC. And for clarity, that stands for investment tax credits. And this is a federal mechanism to support the growth of renewable energy across the US. Um, given that lack of clarity, w- what is your approach? Um, how are you strategizing when you don't have crystal clear clarity on government policy? Yeah, uh, you know, it's important to note, Angus, that while it is complicated to navigate, uh, the, the federal government has provided fairly uh, comprehensive guidance, um, which has now recently been updated, I, I think, as of last week, um, particularly in the ITC. Um, ITC is clearly important because sometimes it can be, again, anywhere from a 30 to 60 percent, uh, uh, essentially, rebate on a total project cost uh, on, a, on a CapEx basis. And so it's essential from a financial community to understand how that'll be monetized. Um, there is a Pretty important set process on uh, on 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 transfer, um, which now allows you to basically sell those tax credits to somebody else, uh, obviously at a discount from what their face value is worth. Um, and really, what the finance community is asking for is some level of proof that you have somebody on the other side uh, to buy those tax credits uh, that's credible. Um, and that's really unlocked the financing here, Angus. So um, while it has been um, complicated to to 
to get there with some commercial banks, maybe less sophisticated and who don't have a lot of, of sector experience. The banks who are really financing deals and are moving in this uh, space are confident, as we are. Um, we're well advised by uh, extraordinary counsel in, in Wilson Sonsini and, and uh, an energy uh, transition team there that's fantastic. And um, getting you know up-to-date information on all of the guidance, which should be finalized, uh, frankly, before we even start construction of these projects. So it, I'm not, it, it's impossible for me to deny that, that it has been a challenge. Um, it has not been the greatest challenge that we face in building these assets. However, you know it's it's um mm -hmm. it's it's quite surmountable. And mm -hmm. frankly, I think the federal government's doing a, a fairly good job of keeping uh, constant updates of um, of what's going on, what what it looks like, and and making reference and staying very close to other programs that have already deployed this in the past. Right. So this is the, the ITC is not a new concept. It's now expanded. No. To include into battery storage and expand it in, in terms of how easy it is to transfer, but um, it's a tried and tested mechanism already here in the US. Okay, okay. I'll tell you what, um, can, can you spend a, a moment now talking us through on energy strategy for securing supply for your projects? I understand you're working with a number of different suppliers. Now, how's that going? You know, so supply chain has been a bit of a buzzword and certainly was a huge obstacle in, in uh, 21, mainly on the logistics front, more than on battery supply, um, which, which frankly, on energy never faced. We, we um, again, Angus, maybe because of our business model and, and uh, the, the, you know, I guess velocity at which we're procuring. So we're procuring, you know, a couple projects a month for, for mm -hmm. different applications in different markets. Um, and so we're very active in the supply chain. Um, we're not running massive RFPs, you know, once every three years and then trying to secure uh, new capacity. So we have, uh, I think, excellent relationships with all of our vendors. Today we dealt with, um, I think, five or six different module manufacturers, uh, both tier one and tier two, uh, about seven different inverter manufacturers. And so there's, there's choice and there's optionality, especially as we're the integrator. And I think that's a big strength at On Energy is that not only can we develop the project, but we're not dependent on a third-party integrator to sell us the equipment. We can integrate ourselves. Um, so it, it, you know, it, it hasn't. At least for us, we've been, I think, fortunate enough to not have it be a tremendous obstacle. We've been able to source batteries. Lead times are down. Prices are down. Um, and and uh, you know, fingers crossed that this will remain this way for the next couple of years. Because I think it's, it did provide quite a bit of, uh, I guess of a headwind for the industry and like rising prices and hoping it stays this way. Yeah, fingers crossed on that front. Okay, um, my next question, and now I appreciate this is fairly delicate territory, but we hear you're getting ready to make some rather exciting announcements on the acquisition front. What can you tell me? Go on, bear your soul. I promise, won't go any further. Um, so, it, you know, there's there's some... Projects, mainly it's project-level acquisitions that, that we're out um, uh, making, both front of the meter and behind the meter. Again, there's a, there's a portfolio set uh, in ERCOT of three projects that, that should be announced uh, shortly who we acquired it from, but it's, it's, um, it, it's key to this um, first capital deployment and first asset base that we're constructing in, in Texas. Um, there's a number of other... Uh, energy developers, particularly on the CNI front, who were uh, looking at project portfolios uh, that we can actually take through and 
not only finance but also construct and and operate. So I think that's a that's a huge advantage, and we're doing that in conjunction with our partner SDCL. That's also a UK listed fund. Um, so uh, you know that's primarily where we're focused today, Angus. I don't think we're in the in the in the company acquisition mode uh, at the moment, but okay. certainly from from a project and and portfolio set. Um, that that becomes tremendously interesting for us. Mm, certainly does. Yeah. Okay. Um, you seem to be heavily invested in Texas, the agriculture region. Um, is that the end of your ambitions? Uh, once you bag the Lone Star State and there's nothing more you need, or are you targeting new areas beyond Ercot for your front no, of the region developments? Yeah, we're always ambitious, Angus. So I mm-hmm. think we're always looking to to what's next. Um, I th- I certainly think. Uh, ERCOT is a very attractive market, and that would it'll remain that way for a while. I think there's some there's some um, there's some doubters out there in terms of what what's going to happen to ERCOT. Um, these projects are being constructed, as I mentioned, on on a merchant basis. Um, we have a portfolio set of of uh, larger utility scale projects, which are in development in Texas as well. So that's coming on the tail end of of the construction of these. These should come um, into the construction phase once the other projects are COD'd. Um, so put in operation for, for the layman. Um, we also are looking at markets in the Northeast, which I think provide interesting, uh, more heavily contracted opportunities for the battery storage, which should also complement our portfolio. Um, so I think that's, uh, it's important to have a little bit of balance in the organization. I think that, that contracting is, is important. I will mention, and, and sorry, this is more of a, of a personal view, but you know the role of energy storage is fundamentally to combat this this uh, intermittency, but really price volatility, right? And yeah. it is, is really what what energy storage is after from an economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And by that nature, uh, you know, merchant projects is is where the value is for energy storage. Energy mm-hmm. storage should intrinsically operate on a merchant basis more than on a contracted basis. Um, that being said, I mean, signing a PPA and getting value to customers and, and, and being paid for that value on a reliable basis is going to make these things a lot easier to construct. Um, it's going to make the company a lot more stable from a cash flow perspective. And then I think mm-hmm. having that balance of, of really putting in storage in, in um, areas that need it most with above market returns and having the skills and know how to construct them and trade in those markets is going to be key. And I think that's where we're strongest. And then the contracted uh, portion of it is is really, um, you know, he- a little bit of a hedge from a financial perspective to make sure that these that the company's built on a solid footing. So I think mm-hmm. uh, the Northeast certainly provides more of that uh, for the company, Angus. Okay, cool. Okay, we're also hearing that On Energy is exploring partnerships with C and I solar developers now. For the listener, that's commercial and industrial solar developers. Uh, we always like to explain things, keep the jargon away. Um, what can you tell me on this front? Any announcements on the horizon, or am I barking up the wrong warehouse? No, yeah, you, the, 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 there's there's lots of good news on the way. I mean, we've we've launched a, a campaign where we're supporting commercial industrial solar companies who who aren't deploying storage in sufficient scale because storage is frankly hard to deploy, particularly in in a in a commercial industrial application where customer wants and needs are are uh, difficult to replicate, where permitting um, is complex, where vendor support is is uh, lessened by the scale of the projects, which are usually smaller, where projects are difficult to aggregate. And so a lot of these it's solar developers have 
tremendous connections with customers and oftentimes hundreds of customers who invested in uh, energy projects. Storage is a request from their customers oftentimes and they're struggling to put these things together. And so we're looking to partner with a lot of these groups where we can not only help them design, but also construct and perhaps most importantly, finance uh, mm -hmm. their customers in deploying storage rollouts and helping them monetize a larger sale as well. So I think it's an interesting program that we're working, um, particularly for resiliency applications, um, markets in the Northeast with, with good economics, Massachusetts, New York. I mean, it's a core focus for us. And, and I think that we have a unique product set with, uh, with lots of value uh, that we can bring to these. Okay, um, that sounds good. Right, well, I think uh, perhaps now's the time to bring this podcast to a conclusion. Um, Alan Cooper, Chief Executive of on, on Energy. On Energy. <laughs> That's so difficult, I have to say it three times. On Energy, there's a fourth. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on InfraDig. It's been really interesting. Thank you for joining us. Angus, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. And for the listener, as always, I hope you have found this to be anything but InfraDig. <laughs>